This podcast is brought to you by TheMarketPlatform.com. It's a website that connects buyers and sellers across the Rio Grande Valley, across Texas, and around the nation. I don't know, but uh, it's a very uncertain time, and a lot of people are getting furloughed. A lot of people are losing their jobs. Their hours are being cut, and there's no income coming in. It's a very uncertain time for a lot of people across the Rio Grande Valley, across Texas, and around the nation. So this website was created to be able to generate some income back for the community to be able to withstand these hardships that are about to come. Visit themarketplatform.com, create an account today, and start selling now. All right, so everyone, I have Emily Williams-Knight, president and CEO of Texas Restaurant Association on the podcast. And the reason I wanted to get her on is because it's hard to find credible sources and everything seems to be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's, uh, you're hearing information from your buddies and then you're sharing misinformation and nobody really knows where to go for credible information. So that's why I really wanted to get her on the podcast. So Emily, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So, um, as you said, it's uh, Dr. Emily Williams-Knight, and I represent the Texas restaurant industry. Just for context, before this pandemic, that included 50,000 restaurants across our great state. We employed 1.4 million people, and we had about $70 billion in sales last year. Wow. Um, so, second uh, highest number of employees in the private sector and a real force across every city and state. And if you ask me today if I could remember what that looked like as each day of this pandemic passes, it's harder to, to, to remember just how robust and how much joy was in the sector just, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think uh, everybody really appreciates local business and small businesses now that this whole thing happened. But uh, I really want to get into the podcast. So here's a million dollar question. Do you think small businesses can recover from this after this whole pandemic is over? Well, I think the to get to the end of that, they have to. So we, we have to remember remember something about small businesses, and, and I'll focus directly on restaurants, but we make up such a big part of that small business community. You know, more than 51% of the food dollar today in Texas goes to restaurants in some form or fashion. So what you've essentially seen happen is you've seen the abrupt reality of what happens to the supply chain when it is significantly disrupted. I think that small businesses are going to require a very long runway. I believe there's been some attempts by our federal and congressional legislators to do the right thing to bring us aids like the care package and families first act. And I know there's discussions now on how to even shore that up further. But I think what we're looking at is post Harvey, which is 54 counties. It was about 18 months before our small businesses returned to where they were prior to that event. And it's about this across the nation. You're looking at a much more scalable, really disaster at this point. Someone asked me this morning if I could describe this in one word. And the only word I could come up with is catastrophic. We've never seen anything like it, which means we're going to have to do things that we've never had to do before. And that's going to require state and city and federal and state government coming together to give us a long glide path to get our businesses reopened. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting time that we're living through. None of us have ever gone through this before. And I know a lot of people are pulling back. A lot of people are scared to even go out of the house. Obviously, they want to flatten the curve, but... What are other measures that, that, or actually should restaurants be doing right now to ensure the safety of their customers and their employees? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think this is where your comment about, you know, where you may find your source of information is so important. And so we've stayed lockstep with the governor and the governor stayed lockstep with Washington. And I think that's why. And so we're all reading off the same sheet of music when it comes to what the guidelines are. And so as the CDC issues guidelines, the governor will then issue guidance or guidelines. And then, of course, our cities and our states 
um, can choose to follow and most have. You know, the really important part is there's no evidence today that shows that this is a foodborne illness. And I think that's really important for your viewers to understand. Your audience should know that this is not being passed through food. So we are already a very heavy, heavily regulated industry, right? So we actually have standards. Those that prepare food are actually have to be certified. And so we were probably in the best place from a sort of compliance standpoint to handle this. But you throw on top of it, going from a dining room that's maybe 90% of your revenue to converting overnight, which is what we were asked to do, to carry out in delivery or maybe even curbside brought a lot of challenges. And what you've seen is you've seen this entrepreneurial, just get it done attitude that has allowed people to try to convert those businesses over. Not only do I think it's safe, I think that our employers have done a really good job of keeping their employees safe. And you've seen that whether it's grocery stores or restaurants, right, in numbers of ways that makes them feel more comfortable. I think what you've seen is we, when we essentially had our dining rooms closed in the name of public health, you saw right away just a, just a surge on the grocery sector that was something they couldn't handle. And the grocery sector is incredibly important to us because together we feed Texas. So if you think about it, when we went to the governor and said, we've got to get the supply chain moving, can we convert our restaurants into essentially retail outlets? Can we get a waiver and sell basic goods like bread, milk, eggs, butter, pasta, that maybe they can't get at a grocery store or maybe going to a grocery store crowded with people is not something they want to do. And he gave us that waiver. And so what you've seen is maybe a safe way of people to make one stop if they leave their home. They can go to County Line in Austin as one example. Or they can go to, um, you know, one of the Delgado's restaurants in McAllen, and they can actually get their food, but also get other things they may need, right, from toilet paper to milk, and have that all done in one shop. And I think that's really helped the American public, and Texans in particular, feel not only a little safer, but it's one trip, one shot, get everything they need, and they can return home. And so I do think it's safe. I do like to see the precautions I see people taking, even on their own, which may be more than the CDC guidance. And I think our employers are doing a really good job of looking out for their people. Now, you're absolutely right. Actually, one of the things that I saw with uh, with actually restaurants providing these groceries is because well, I'm a digital marketer. So I have restaurants on board. And one of the things I saw was people were already like, all right, price gouging, price gouging. They ran to to be able to be the first person to call out people for price gouging. And people don't really understand that these restaurants aren't getting the same deals as these huge grocery stores. Can you touch on that? Yeah, you know, we, we've been really lucky. I think if we saw any serious price gouging, I certainly believe I would have heard from one of our state agencies. Um, in many cases, the, our distributors are selling at cost to our restaurants who are putting very little markup on enough, in some cases, just to pay the employee that's part of that skeleton crew delivering it. And so, you know, I've seen more online price gouging, right, where people are hoarding specific supplies. But restaurants in general, you know, I, I look at a couple of restaurants that have put these sort of, um, they call them, uh, you know, one-stop box, it's called. And in that box may be your essentials, milk, bread, eggs, butter, pasta, cereal, toilet paper, sanitizer which is becoming more just more and more difficult and it all goes in one box for one price and you essentially roll up you pay it online it's dumped in the back of your car in your trunk there's no contact and you drive away so you know i've not seen that kind of price gouging i've seen individuals hoard product and sell it online at an extreme price but i haven't seen our restaurants do that in particular on the alcohol side so the other waiver we were able to pass was curbside alcohol um, and that has been a massive revenue driver for restaurants trying to stay in business. 
and you just don't see the kind of markups that you maybe would have seen if it was just common day. Um, and I think most people are behaving and in accordance being good citizens during this crisis. Absolutely. So with the modern convenience, right, it's either a downfall or, or a good thing, because what I've seen recently is that all these businesses and restaurants are going curbside and they had to adapt to getting a bunch of phone calls and online orders. Have you seen people actually just getting fed up with waiting on businesses because they have to navigate this new landscape that they literally had to go through overnight? Have you seen anything that, that is a potential downfall because of the coronavirus and modern convenience? People want it now, now, now. It is such, you know, I'll, I'll point all of your listeners to the Texas, Restaurant Association Facebook page because you just hit a nerve, which is so important for me. I, about a week ago, came off of social media having looked at some of the comments from individuals that wanted it their way on their time and assumed it was still January 1st of 2020. And and it was, it was rude, it was offensive, and it didn't have any grace, right? There was no sense that these businesses, and many times most of their employees are gone. They had to adjust their business model overnight. They may only have a phone line or two, and now they're doing delivery in curbside. They may only have the setup to be able to process a certain number of orders at a time. And they're doing that all while essentially trying to save everything they can to make it one more day. So I came home and just wrote from the heart. And it's been shared thousands of times. And it really was the idea that we have to have grace. If you can just imagine, and I don't know, you're in McAllen, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've been down to McAllen many times, and I love your food scene. And imagine waking up, your three favorite restaurants in June are gone, and they're not opening. Where are you going? Right? So we're trying to say to people, help us get through the crisis. Imagine if today the business you do, you only had two people left and had to deliver more. How would you do it? You'd really expect your customers to have grace. So I encourage everyone who's listening to take a deep breath. It's not going to be like it was six weeks ago. You will get your food. It may not be perfect, but this is not the time to complain and go on social media that you didn't get your ketchup. I, I think you're absolutely right. Having a, a little bit of compassion for what the business owners are going through right now it goes a really long way. But what other tips can you share with businesses, small businesses, to help them navigate this uncertain time? Yeah, I think there's, there's um, and I'm so glad you asked, I think there's a, a couple of um most important, be very careful of who you use as a resource. So whenever there's a crisis, there's opportunists. And you have a lot of people that are going into restaurants or reaching out to restaurants offering, I quote, free advice or free services or I'm here to help you. And at the end of the day, you really want to be looking at either your federal partners, your state partners, your nonprofits, or your trade associations. So, you know, we cover Texas, but there's one of us in every state. And I've got a team of 30 spread out to make sure that our restaurants get the needed support and most importantly, information. So I would say one, always consider the source like this podcast, for example, and you having this audience, you're a trusted person for them. Same thing for us is we want to have that one-to-one relationship with every member. So I think first of all, look at the guidance. Second, look at the support that has come down and thoughtfully evaluate if it's right for you. So whether it be the CARES Act and the PPP loan, or the economic injury disaster loan, or the tax credits, are any of those feasible? Will any of those bring you the support you need in the short term? Governor Abbott announced today another $50 million from Goldman Sachs in the form of more PPP funding. There is funding coming down, 
But I really encourage restaurant owners, as painful as it is and as confusing as it is, is to have a conversation with their accountants, where they sit today, where they want to be in six months, and go sit with their lender and have the conversation of what loan or financial aid vehicle might be best for them. So that's two. Three, every night they need to be logging in some form or fashion what's working and what's not. I think that through this crisis, what we can't lose are all the lessons of how our business model will need to change going forward. We have never been given this opportunity across the entire nation for our restaurant industry was put on pause. We're the nation's largest employer. We have massive scale and reach and we've grown so fast and so big. And what was just given to us is a nightmare. But we can turn into this is something that takes us into a future that might look different. It's different, but it doesn't mean it's not better or even the same if we don't want to be optimistic today. So I really encourage our owners and operators right now to think about what are the things they're learning in this crisis that's going to make them more efficient. And then I've asked them all at some point as they start to reopen, what are they going to do different? You know, I was on a media interview, I think yesterday or gosh, it must have been Friday. The days all blend together now. But I said, you know, you almost have to step back and look at food on one side of the piece of paper and the consumer on the other. And, and what's that experience going to look like, right? Where, where does that experience begin and end? Does it begin at the farm where our consumers have a better relationship with food? Does it begin when it's just dropped off at their front door? You know, what, what about the model didn't allow us to be incredibly flexible? And how can we ensure that going forward, we either have a flexible model or our role in this equation is maybe more than 51% of the food spend, maybe it's 70%. And so I think we can't lose sight of the lessons we're learning and the role of technology. And I think you're going to see technology come much faster into our sector. We've adopted it, but where a lot of people have had trouble turning the corner is they didn't have the technology or the system to adapt to a digital world, which was a world that was not connected with people sitting inside their restaurant. Absolutely. You have some really good insight right there. So let me get your opinion on this. All right. So we're going through a pandemic. What happens if we go through a pandemic and a recession at the same time? What does that look like for these small business restaurants? Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to say. And I, and I wish I knew. I know if you read, you know, one paper, it's we're going into a deep recession, maybe a depression with bread lines. And you read another paper and we may come out of this strong. You know, I'm certainly not an economist, but I know a couple of things. I know that we need to continue to champion, which is what the Restaurant Association is doing, our federal congressional delegation to make the changes to the Paycheck Protection Program that are needed in order to recover. And let's say economically, consumers do come in late to spend, right? So if you think about a restaurant, maybe that's a, um, a Popeye's or a McDonald's, certainly they've been impacted because their sit-down area is closed, but their drive through is humming right? And people can afford, in some cases, to feed a family with a couple of children more than they could going into a high-end steakhouse. So let's just pretend that discretionary spending stays flat, if not significantly reduced in the new new world post-pandemic. And people are a little bit more cautious about being in crowds, right? Or large dining rooms. So what is that going to look like? I think that what we're advocating for and some of the changes we want is we want the federal government the opportunity for financial assistance to actually extend out through the end of the year. We know it's going to take us a long runway to get back up and running. So my first advice would be to be thoughtful about how you're going to reopen. We're really lucky. We've got two really thought leaders and restaurant leaders from Texas on the governor and lieutenant governor's economic reentry 
um, I call it a task force. I have then assembled a group of 10 across the sector that are working with me to serve ideas up to them, right, to make sure that when we get to the point of reopening, things like grants to small businesses, delays in sales tax remittance, deferring of property taxes, you know, suspending other taxes on alcohol, prohibiting landlords from, you know, all those kind of things that are going to help us get started. And then what I would really recommend is that these small business owners are very careful about how quickly they reopen. And I think that's going to help us because I think it's going to take a while for demand to catch up. It's going to be very hard, but I can say living in Texas, I'm thankful because we have a governor and elected officials that are pro-business and they want small business. And we employ more than half of the people in the state in small business. So they want us to be successful. Restaurants alone, we provide the second highest amount of tax dollars for business. You need us open and you need us operating. So whether or not we go into a deep recession or even what accounts for a recession, I think that what we can do is be thoughtful about how we open, that we can still stay in lockstep on the health guidelines. And I think that's critical because the worst thing we could do is be tired of sitting at home and we throw the doors open and everyone comes in and in six months, we're right back where we started. Absolutely. And that happens. I think that's the key is balancing the need. And that's why extending out the financial benefit from either the state or federal government is critical. Yes, we need it now, but we're going to need more when the doors reopen. And so that's really my advice is to be thoughtful. And then also don't just open as if it was January 1st. Really think about what's changed. Look at your associations. Look at what they're telling you about what's changing consumer behavior, what may be changing financially, and take advantage of those things as you sort of reshape your go-forward plan. Interesting. Dr. Emily Williams-Knight, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy, so I really appreciate your time. And on behalf of my listeners, thank you very much. Is there any other insight that you can give us before we finish off this podcast? You know, I would just say tonight, go get some takeout, get some curbside, get delivery directly from the restaurant, but support your restaurants. If you really think about it, if you think about where you went for a wedding or anniversary or a t-ball or a softball celebration or when things didn't go well, we were always there for you and we need you now because in three or four weeks or two or three months, it's going to be too late. So support restaurants. Restaurants take care of your consumers. They want to be with you. And I just, all of you hang in there. And if we can ever help you, please come directly to us via Facebook or our txrestaurant.org uh, website, and we are happy to engage with you. And, of course, we love the Valley, and I love McAllen myself. I've been there for the first time, actually, in the last year, three times. And so, um, you know, we need you, and we need you strong. So we're, we're here for you, and we're going to get you through this. Doctor, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by TheMarketPlatform.com. It's a website that connects buyers and sellers across the Rio Grande Valley, across Texas, and around the nation. I don't know, but uh, it's a very uncertain time. A lot of people are getting furloughed. A lot of people are losing their jobs. Their hours are being cut, and there's no income coming in. It's a very uncertain time for a lot of people across the Rio Grande Valley, across Texas, and around the nation. So this website was created to be able to generate some income back for the community to be able to withstand these hardships that are about to come. Visit themarketplatform.com, create an account today, and start selling now.